Hey, everybody. Welcome to Listen Money Matters. A dollar a day keeps bankruptcy away. My name is Matt, and I'm here, as always, with Andrew. Andrew, how are you, and what are you drinking? Good, Matt. Good. I, I was uh, sprinting out of the city yeah. to, to make it here. I only have a water, but I'm, I'm very good because uh, I am. <laughs> okay, so no, no alcohol for you. No. Nope, wow, this, just, might be uh, the, this might be the first time that I have alcohol and you do not. Oh, you do? What do you I, have? I do. I have Flying Fish Oktoberfish uh, because Flying Fish sent me a free ca- uh, half case of beer. It came in the mail wow. yesterday. Yeah. And it That's, came, yeah, it came with uh, Oktoberfish and IPA, and I think they're red ale. So pretty. Oh, they give you like a a, a, a variety variety pack. Oh That's, yeah, wow. I think it was moving I think on they, up in the world. Yeah, I think they sent me twelve. Yeah, and it was packaged yeah. really cool too. I was surprised. Like I've never seen beer sent like like that before. It was like in like an egg crate kind of container. It was weird, but I liked it. It was oh. cool, and it's not bad. It's uh, it tastes like an Oktoberfest. Uh, it's, you know, it's pretty good. It's got a good color. I like it. Uh, so, yeah. I'm the one drinking alcohol. You're the one not. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, I don't know about Roll that. Reverse. Yeah. Uh, today's catchphrase is a dollar a day keeps bankruptcy away. And that was sent in by our friend Daniel Morrow at the Duke Daniel is his Twitter handle. And you can send those into us via Twitter. And our Twitter handle is at Money Matters Man. Uh, you know what? Let's just dive right into things. We have a um, we have a guest on the show today, and his name is Mike Vardy of Productivityist, and he has a podcast called Workflowing, which is on the Five by Five Network, and we're going to talk about productivity today. So, uh, Mike, how are you? I'm doing great. You didn't ask me what I'm drinking. I ha- I'm not. I wanted to ask you how you were first. <laughs> and then- well, I'm good because I'm drinking. Good. What are you drinking? <laughs> Uh, so, um, for those of you who've listened to Workflowing before, we do the same kind of segment. You do, yeah. Normally, normally when Schechter's around, my co-host, but he has been dealing with third child syndrome. So, uh, in that, he has a third child. But me, uh, <laughs> oh, so I thought he was lo- the third child. No, no, he he's a lost soul of sorts, which as a nice tie-in is what I'm drinking. It's called Lost Souls. It's a chocolate pumpkin porter oh. by a bre- yeah <laughs> by a brewery in Vancouver called Parallel Forty Nine. Wow, that sounds excellent. It is really good. I mean, Parallel 49, for those who, I mean, there's very, first off, the Pacific Northwest generally is really good for beer. Vancouver and Victoria. I'm in Victoria, British Columbia, which has a really good, you know, we've got a really good craft beer scene. And Vancouver's starting to come along as well. And this one, Parallel 49, is is my favorite Vancouver brewery right now. And they're making some great stuff. You're up by Whistler. That's where Vancouver. Yeah, but, well, Vancouver. I'm I'm on the island actually. Victoria's on Vancouver Island. So okay. Oh, you're I'm on Vancouver bit, Island. Yeah, I'm on. I'm basically the, the funny. I'm 20 minutes away by plane to Vancouver or Seattle. Like mm-hmm. I'm in the holy trinity of the Pacific Northwest. And if you include Portland, which I love, then there's like a nice little diamond of us uh, of these cities. And and man, I love it here. Although right now, I mean, basically we're in October, so it's going to rain here and be gray until May. You know, I was going to say I was talking <laughs> to some people that lived on Vancouver Island, and they said it just rains all the time. It doesn't rain here as much as it does in Seattle and Vancouver, though. As odd as that, but it it does get gray. Like basically, like I said, after after you know, basically Canadian Thanksgiving, uh, it turns gray and it doesn't get sunny until you know May. Yeah, we can. I mean, I can talk about beer all day. I have a cellar, so so could I. You have a cellar, <laughs> a beer cellar. I do. What? what? 
Yeah, I do. I have a beer cellar. So, um, and it's basically in the lower part. It's a it, bunch of shelves. I actually have it in Evernote. I could. I'll share you guys that it's a public notebook link. I'll send it to you. But I have about sixty to seventy beers in there, um, mostly porters and stouts. That's some Belgians. Yeah, some Belgians. IPAs obviously don't keep. Um, my prized. I've got a vertical going. A vertical going right now of a Mill Street barley wine. So I have, mm. and I'm buying the next edition of it this year. So I'll have three bottles of every year. Uh, for the last three years. Wow. So at some point, yeah, one, uh, in two years, I'm going to do a vertical tasting, which means I'll have some people over and we'll just do all five bottles and we'll see how they've aged over time. So yeah, yeah. No, I'm, a, I'm a big beer connoisseur. And you're a big, uh, uh, you're new to bourbon, right? Because we had, we had met at Podcast Movement and you actually yep. turned me on to Whistle Pig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, and Whistle Pig is more of, a, I guess, a rye for yeah. more than anything. But I am, I am definitely a bourbon guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, bourbon, I've been, uh, I used to work for the Victoria Film Festival, and we ran a fundraising event called The Art of the Cocktail. And the festival or um, director said, we're going to go to Seattle, and we went to a place called Vessel, which is no longer there. And I didn't drink hard liquor to that point. It was just beer and some wine. We went there, and we stayed there the whole night. And I didn't. I woke up the next day after having a bunch of different drinks, and I didn't have a hangover. And I said, "I wonder why I don't have a hangover." Because huh. because you, you drank good booze, right? You didn't right. drink like the crap. <laughs> and so so that's what. I, so I start every time I go to the states because uh, bourbons in here are twice as much. Uh-huh. I'll go and pick up a bottle of either bourbon or sometimes scotch. But like when I was at Podcast Movement, I picked up J.R. Ewing bourbon in Dallas. Mm. Yes, it's a real bourbon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when I just came back from the States this time around in Minneapolis, uh, I picked up uh, uh, Minnesota Panther, it's called. And it's apparently the only one that's actually made in Minnesota. So I picked up that as well. So when I travel, I'll pick up a bottle of bourbon from the States uh, just because it's way cheaper. And I, there's certain things you just can't get up here. So, yeah, I've got about 12 bottles of bourbon in total in my in my bar right now. What else is in your cellar? Uh, my mother-in-law's <laughs> staying right now, so she's in the cellar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's man. how I get things done, man. I keep her in the cellar and I keep the beer there. <laughs> yeah, is that, that's, that's, that's your first productivity tip is to keep yeah. your uh, mother-in-law in the cellar? Yeah, exactly. Mm, Guarding the beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. But no, uh, and I've also started a new podcast, by the way. I'm doing a solo one now as well. Oh, yeah? Uh, called, yeah, called The Productivityist Podcast. Go figure. Hmm. Um, and it's at, uh, if you go to productivityist.simplecast.fm, it's there. So Cool. When did you start that? Uh, in August, and I've already got, I mean, I've got a Patreon campaign going for it as well to help, you know, me, you know, be able to keep it going and support and all that stuff. So right. it's been going really great for the past. Uh, it, honestly, I just wanted to start something and podcast movement kind of spurred me on and I started it just before podcast movement, but it was, it's been, it's been great. I really, you know, I like doing the solo shows because I can dive into stuff that, I really can't do so much with work flowing. Like, so we each, each show kind of does a, a bit of a different thing. Um, and also it's like a 20 to 25 minute podcast. And I like the shorter podcasts because yeah. frankly, although I could talk for days, um, <laughs> it, I'm better in shorter bursts. Well, yeah. And speaking of talking for days, we've gone on for seven minutes, uh, as of our <laughs> intro. And that was my way to segue <laughs> into Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we have a lot of people who, um, you know, don't really do the, the, uh, the entrepreneurial thing, right? So that's, mm-hmm. it's sort of a rare breed of people. And, I think I it's easy for me to talk about productivity when it comes to working from home because it's it's I think it to me it's easy but I want to really dive into working at a job right and trying to mm. be productive at work. So I mean what are what are some of the you know big picture sort of productivity tips that people don't really think about when they're at their jobs? 
Well, I think what happens first and foremost is that people tend to jump to email as like the the trigger for most things, you know. So when they get to the office, you know, whether it's an office that's at home or an office anywhere, yeah. is that they'll jump into email because it's safe. It, it, it's well, it's yeah, it's safe. It's pa- but it's also Pavlovian, right? It's a, it's a false fix, right? Because what happens is is when you check email first thing in the morning is what you're saying to yourself is what I may have had in mind for today because you've lined up your day yesterday and you kind of know what you you should be doing. What I have in mind is not nearly as important as, as what other people say that I need to do. Mm-hmm. So, um, for example, uh, I have a lot of people say, well, you know, my boss emails me first thing in the morning and tells me he'd like me to do this. I'm like, well, that's fine. But your boss has probably told you about five other things that he wants done or she wants done in days prior. Mm-hmm. So you need to, we need to kind of, that's a big one. I don't check email first thing in the morning. I made that a habit when I did work out of an office. When I worked at Costco, uh, we had intranet email. I never checked it until I was through doing what I needed to do. And then I would go into it. Um, well, that's I'm, a big, I'm curious, yep. how, I'm curious how you do this because when I wake up in the morning, the first mm-hmm. thing I do is the I, alarm I gives reach off a over yeah, to mm-hmm. turn my phone alarm off. And yep. I pick my phone up, and there are all the emails. Like, it's just the first thing that I see. Well, you have notifications turned on for emails. Yeah, right? that, yeah. stop so that. That's, that. Yeah, that's why. Um, I don't have notifications for email turned on because they're not direct messages. One of the things that I have an issue with is how do you tell your boss that you're not checking email? Like, I, I feel like my bosses would be pissed if I told them, like, hey, I only check email once a day. Well, you can't do Yeah, yeah, you can't do that. You have to start setting boundaries in a way that's responsible. And mm-hmm. again, it's very subjective, right? So you can't, t- I mean, I wouldn't necessarily tell your boss, I don't check email first thing in the morning. Kind of want I to, would say, uh, Yeah, well, if you want to, <laughs> then deal with the consequences. Yeah, fuck you, I don't check my emails only once a day. <laughs> so, but, Mike, if you, have, yep. if you have notifications disabled, then when do you check, I mean, do you just check your email every day religiously at four? And then whatever I, is there is there? Yeah, I check it, you know, when I'm done that first important task that I need to get done. So what I'll do is the night before, I actually, you know, so when I'm leaving the office at the end of the day, and again, in my case, it's my desk at home, I will look at the, th- I'll prioritize the three things I want to do the next day, and I'll put them down on a sheet of paper, close my laptop, put the sheet of paper on top of my laptop, and be done with it. And then when I wake up in the morning, I'll look at that sheet of paper and go, oh, yeah, those things are the things I want to do first. Mm-hmm. So that's what I see first thing, not not an email notification, none of that stuff. And I've turned email notifications off because um, I use a service called AwayFind. It's at awayfind.com. And what it does is uh, basically it allows people to email me and then they'll get a message saying, hey, I only check email two to three times per day. And this is a subjective message. You can change to whatever you want. If you if this is really important, click on this link and you'll get a contact form and I'll get notified right away. And nine times out of 10, people won't fill out the contact form because they assume I've got the email, which I have. But if they do fill out the contact form, then I get a notification. I have a Wayfind notification set up on my phone. So hmm. that way, and it's Android, iOS, it doesn't matter. Uh, I will see it. And I'm like, oh, gosh, there's a note. And I have audible notifications. So it it goes off. Like I'm like, oh, someone's emailing me. This must be important. They went through the extra step. When it comes to your boss, though, I mean, I would just, the thing is, as long as you're doing the work, which is not the email, but the work, then you're not going to run into the problem of, hey, I, I you know, you're, you're like, you're not likely to run into the problem of, hey, you're not keeping up with your work. You know, uh, I mm-hmm. sent you an email first thing in the morning and you didn't check it. Um, there are better tools for that. If someone sends you an email first thing in the morning for something that's urgent, they're using the wrong medium. 
they should be using something like instant messaging or God forbid the phone. Or walk into uh, your <laughs> office. Yeah. Or what or come up to you, right? Yeah. Because because frankly, email, when you think about it, it's like remember postal mail, which we still get. What? When what you, you thought what is this? Yeah. <laughs> you know the letters and stuff? You'd get that. And what you would do is if, if you go to your mailbox and it's full, it's probably got junk mail in it, right? Mm-hmm. It's got like bills, it's got checks, it's got some checks, hopefully, hopefully more checks. checks. Hopefully yeah. more checks and bills. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully they balance out. Yeah. Um, you know, that kind of thing. You're not going to look at that and go, all right, I'm just going to take the checks out and leave the bills and junk mail in here until, you know, forever and mm-hmm. then have that mailbox fill up. You're going to look at it all and put them in the appropriate place, right? Mm-hmm. So most people don't treat email that way. They treat email like the phone. And I've always been a proponent of, hey, I really wish that text messaging came along before email because that would be, that would be, that would have been far better. You would have said, hey, uh, you know, hey boss, here's my. You've got my text. You've got my phone number because it's a work phone or whatever. Just text me if it's something that's important. Yeah. Email. Email doesn't work. Email is meant for long form, important information and communication, not urgent information and communication. That's there are other platforms for that. Interesting, because I, I, you know, I don't think of it that way. I do think of it like an instant messaging service because I check it so frequently. Um, but I think one of the things is when you're in an office, you kind of have to adapt that that mindset that that's the way like you know because i can tell you from years of working in an office that i was my email is open all day because my mm-hmm. boss wanted me to have my email open 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 all day because that's how he communicated with us right he right. Would, he would rarely walk into our offices uh and if he did it was like that was the most important thing i had to do right then and there because i worked at a lot of small businesses where the boss is the owner of the entire company and he'd walk in my office and say hey matt you need to do this and i and right you but you have to, i think you have to have the balls, really, to say, uh, no, you've told me to do this yesterday. This is my list. Here it is. You can make it live so that people can mm-hmm. see it. So maybe that he can see it or, or she can see it and and say, like, no, this is my task. This is in order by priority. If you want to move priorities around, I guess, maybe that's an idea. But that's, that's another uh, area I want to go down is how to sort of prioritize the task at hand because, yes, you do get an email when you do check it. You might your boss says, this is so important, it has to get done. But in your head, it doesn't really have to, and you know that. And is there a way that, that you prioritize or how you categorize what's, what's a priority? I tend to use, um, and further to your email comment, what a lot of people will do when they say, you know, I just can't get around at my boss. My boss yeah. is always, you, you know what you do is you, instead of sorting by date, you sort by uh person. You sort by sender in email. Hmm. So that way you can see the stuff that's coming from your boss, deal with that, and then move on. Interesting. I so, never thought of Because mo- most people don't look at that. And the other thing is most people, when you send an email, that's the other thing is if you set boundaries yourself, say you're only going to answer email from 9 to 5. Let's say that's what you do. If you send an email outside of those hours, remember when you send an email, it doesn't just say the subject line. It says the date and the time. Yeah. If you see something, if you were to send me an email at 1 in the morning and I responded to it, at that time, you would say, wow, Mike would respond to my email at 1 a.m. I've set a precedent. I've, set, I've, I've ba- basically <laughs> broken a boundary. I mean, you may, yeah. not, you may not, you know, consciously think that, but subconsciously, like, oh, well, you know, I can email Mike. And then the times I stop doing that, you're going to go, what, what's wrong with Mike? What the hell? Like, you know, he's not responding to my emails. He well, must be dead. Yeah, he must be dead or, you know, sleeping, yeah. you know. But, but when it comes to prioritization, um, we tend to think project-wise. Do you know what I mean? Like we tend to look at things as projects. It's what's fun. What's funny is I just did a, a talk for because I know you work. Do you you work in media, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, I did a talk for a bunch of media salespeople, and telling them not to check email first thing in the morning is like saying, "Hey, why don't you guys eat the tablecloth that you're saying?" Like it's just not <laughs> right. going to work. But what I did say is, again, you know, first off, 
look at your email and separate them out in, into chunks so that they're manageable. So you're not trying to, you know, how, you know the, the old hotness used to be filter all your emails into one account. So you only mm-hmm. have one place to check. Right. But the new hotness is separate your emails by account so that way you can answer in the proper voice. So, hey, this is my sales account. This is my info account. This is my personal email. And then you don't have to get to inbox zero, which is, again, a fallacy. Uh, you, you, what? <laughs> it's, a, it, it's not what it's, it's not. Let's put it this way. The term inbox zero as you, as most people know it now, which is getting your email to inbox zero, is not what Merlin Mann intended when he coined the phrase. Uh-oh. It's more about getting your head empty and getting the right, you know, getting that to zero, not your email inbox. So again, can, can you elaborate on that? Because I'm not sure yeah. I'm following you. Okay, so inbox zero, basically, the idea of inbox zero is to get the stuff that's in your head to zero, get not so that your head is clear, so that you can focus and let the head do the real like write everything down work. and yes, stuff like capture, that. capture, capture, capture. So mm-hmm. if you have to go buy jam, and he used this example in in the OmniFocus uh, talks that we did a couple of years ago, you, instead of instead of sitting it in your head and going, you know what, I'm going to remember this. No problem. I just got to go buy jam. And then every time you would walk, uh, you'd walk by a grocery store and go, oh, don't forget to buy jam. And then you would be stuck in traffic and go, man, I hate this traffic jam. Oh, I got to go buy jam. Like, you know what I mean? You, and then, and you know, when you, and you know, when you're writing a letter or you're writing an email and all of a sudden you're like saying, Hey Matt, uh, we've got this podcast episode today by jam that, uh, and you're like, what, why did that come out of my head onto the sheet of right. paper? Because so that's the problem is inbox zero isn't so much about getting processing all of your email to zero. It's about processing all of the things that are preoccupying you in your head to zero so you can deal with them properly. Hmm. And, and again, I'm being very, um, there's, there's a deeper stuff. Merlin Mann talks about this at 43folders.com. He's one of the granddaddies of productivity. Right. Um, and, and the idea of what's happened, though, is that that term, much like Seth Godin's just ship it term, has been bastardized. Right, it's been co-opted in terms of like because Seth Godin didn't mean just throw any old thing at the wall and people will buy it. He meant don't be afraid to put things out there because mm-hmm. you can always iterate. Mm-hmm. But but now what's happened is people go, oh, he says just ship it, so just ship, 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 ship. Right. Same thing with Inbox Zero. Inbox Zero has become this thing that hey, if I get my email to Inbox Zero, I'm productive. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> not unless you're. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. No, that's yeah. not the case. So that's that's just it. So prioritization for me is dealing with my stuff first. So what I'll do is, like I said, at the end of the day, I'll write down my three big tasks because yeah. I'm at my most knowledgeable at the end of the workday. Right? I'm at my most present, my most wise, my most knowledgeable. So I'm old man Vardy by the time that day ends. I wake up the next day. I'm baby Vardy. I have uh, bright, shiny objects either confuse me or delight me. Uh, I need, I, I'm not quite awake. So the easy thing is to go to email, right? Because then I'm getting told what to do. Oh Inst- man, I like this analogy. Right? Instead, I'm looking at the letter that old man Vardy left me going, dear Mike Vardy, here, here are the three things you need to do today. And right. like, oh good. I trust this guy because he he's my predecessor. <laughs> he's he's beyond my his ans- ears. He, he's my ancestor. <laughs> right. Why wouldn't I trust him? Right. Um, th- so that's what you, that's what I do. And even if I don't get those three things done first thing, if I get one of them done, yeah. right, then I can go in and do and and then deal with what other people are sending my way. The other problem with email in terms of prioritization is when people go in, they go in to check email and deal with the emails that have just come in, the shiny newness, mm-hmm. but they don't look at the old email. Hmm. Right, it's, and even it's the order, yeah, yeah. So one thing I do recommend for people in terms of prioritizing your email, especially, is m- not only maybe f- 
sort by name, which helps a lot of people, but flip the date. If you're using Outlook, you can do this. If you're using Gmail, you can't. Mm. They used to be able to, you can't anymore. But if you're using an iOS app like Dispatch, but flip the switch so you see the oldest date first. Mike, speaking of, yeah. of date and then sorting it by that, um, <clears throat> I'm sure you get an ungodly amount of email. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I we, we get quite an onslaught, but uh, not nearly as much as you. And like, what are good SLAs like what do you must you respond to everything within 24 hours is it reasonable to respond to everything within a month like what what where's the so you don't get like because I get email anxiety like I have yeah. so many emails it's just overwhelming well when you get an email what that you have to look at what that email is it can't just be like I have an email it's like what is this is this a task or is this a piece of reference material or is it both because, again, leaving things in your inbox would be like leaving things in your postal mailbox until you're ready to deal with them. Uh, your mailman would stop delivering the mail after a while because you've, your mailbox is so full, right? Mm. Uh, so what I do is when I get an email, I look at it and I say, oh, what is this? Is this a task I need to deal with or is it a piece of information or is it both? Oh, it's a task. All right. I'm going to forward it to my task manager because I don't have time to deal with it. If it's two minutes or less, I'll deal with it, a la David Allen's GTD. Two minutes or less, do it. If it takes longer than that, I defer it. So I'll move it to my task manager, which I use Todoist as my task manager. And then what I'll do is when I forward it there, and every, a lot of these web-based task management systems, and Evernote's another one of these. I don't really use it for task management. I'll get to that in a second. But they all have email addresses associated with it. So I forward that to that email. You know how sometimes you email yourself to remember something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always do this, that. Yeah, yeah. This this eliminates that because you're still emailing yourself, but you're emailing yourself in the right place. You're putting it in that task manager because that's what a task manager does helps you manage tasks. But, but Mike, if so, you get like thirty emails in yep. one day from you know your fans at, 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 from your yep. site and post, post, like you just send them all to your to do list. No, I'll look at them and if I can respond in two minutes or less, I'll respond. If I can't, I'll forward it and then mark it and and deal with it. You know, within twenty four hours to forty eight hours, business hours, right? So, it, for example, if I get an email from say. Say, say uh, a fan saying, hey, I want to, you know, deal, uh, I just want to tell you how great things are. Da, 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 da. I'll respond to that. Chris Gillibo is really good at this, too, by the way. He responds really quickly to email. He gets to every, I, I'm amazed at how, how good he is at this. Yeah, so I will, if I look at it, and, be, and it, this didn't happen overnight. Keep that in mind. It wasn't like, okay, I'm now a whiz at email. It's like, I look at the email. Oh, it's a task. Can I do it in two minutes or less? Yes. Good. Deal with it. Reply. Archive. Oh, it's going to take longer than two minutes. It's a task. I'm going to forward it to Todoist, and then I'll deal with it with later today because mm -hmm. I want to get out of email as quickly as possible, right? That's mm -hmm. what I want. I would rather spend my time in my task manager because my task manager is where all my tasks are, where not just the tasks that I've assigned myself, but tasks that others have through email or through just telling me or whatever. And for, so you, the, and for you, the yeah. task manager is Todoist. Yes, Todoist. There are lots out there too. That's but you recommend that one. I like Todoist for a number of reasons. Number one, it's simple. It looks it, it's simple to use. It looks really clean. Yeah, the interface beautiful. is clean. Mm -hmm. uh, it's obvious to do. It's where my to dos go. Yep. Uh, it, it, there's easy ways to get things into it via email. If you're using iOS, you can use Dispatch as an email app to get things directly into Todoist without mm -hmm. using the email account. You could also use Cloud Magic, the same thing for Android. 
And also it's scalable. So it can start out really, really small, but it scales really huge. And because the re it also scales out because you can share projects with other people. So you don't just have to have things inside. Like OmniFocus is one that people use a lot on the Mac. I love OmniFocus, but it doesn't do collaborative task management. And sometimes, like you two mm. do a podcast together. Mm. You guys, you would benefit from having a task management system that would allow we, you we to have like a five, We have like five Trello boards. How do you well, know yes. about Trello? I like Trello a lot. Trello is very visual. Um, funny, uh, I will use it for, uh, I recommend it to people for using for very visual projects. So home improvement projects, furnishing projects, uh, outlining. Uh, I know it's, uh, a friend of mine, Josh Medeski, is working on a, a book right now and he's using it to outline his book. Yeah. So the card-based system is good for that. But when you're looking at strictly a manageable to-do list type of thing, then that's where like linear looks like Asana offers or OmniFocus or Things or, or Remember the Milk or Nosby or, or again, Todoist. Yeah, see, there's so many options, right? And that's my job as a productivity is just to go in and say, okay, well, oh, well, what do you do? Oh, you're on Android? Okay, well, that eliminates these ones. Oh, what do you do? You know, that kind of thing. Oh, you're really heavily driven by email. Okay, well, then you need one that you can email tasks to. You know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Because that's often a pain point. You, I mean, we keep coming back to email and that's a big, big pain point because people manage their tasks in email. Yeah. And unless you are a telephone operator, you would not be doing that with the phone. And email is kind of like, you know, you're not going to put post-it notes all over your phone for every task you have to do. Right, right. You know, so you need to, we need to break that habit. And breaking that habit involves sometimes, and luckily, with, when I do my coaching, I speak to a lot of CEOs. If you can get to that level and then bring that down in the culture, it makes it a lot easier to adopt. You're not bucking the trend so much. The only other way you can do it is by looking at what your role is within the company and say, okay, well, obviously my boss wants me to answer emails regularly, so I'm going to sort my emails by name, and I'm going to put them. And you know, the other thing you can do, honestly, and this is what some people have done, is if their boss's name is Steve Smith, in their address book, they'll put a star in front of Steve Smith, so that way it appears at the top of their inbox when they sort alphabetically. Oh, interesting. Because it's just the send-receive, right? And yeah. no one's, he's not going to go, well, why do you have an asterisk in front of my name? Right, right, right. And if you tell them, they're going to go, that's clever. They're You're not hired. Say, Here's a race. They're not going to say, get rid of that. I don't have an asterisk in my name. Right. Like, <laughs> so you have to find these little It's Dr. Steve yeah. Smith. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing, right, is that you can figure out these little tricks. It's, it's about awareness. It's about being mindful. And what happens a lot of the time, especially when we're dealing with email or when we're trying to prioritize too much, is that we end up being on this hamster wheel of doing productive. Hey, if I just keep going then things will be fine. And I'll look at the today view and look at my list for today and then move on to the next day. But if you don't have a system in place and you don't have a, a, a framework or some kind of um, implementation that allows that system to flourish and foster and allow you to work beyond today, then what happens is, is that you end up burning out and you end up getting exhausted and you go, well, why, why am I not getting the right things done? It's because you need to have a system that works for you and also is supported by the the tools you use so that you can really move things forward. It's like, I mean, it, it's kind of like, you know, when it comes to finance, right? There's several different ways to save money. I mean, I used to use the envelope system. Like crazy. Like cash envelopes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But it's not practical for me to do that anymore. Um, so, you know, I use, uh, I don't know, you guys, you probably, you know YNAB, obviously. Mm -hmm. you need yeah. A budget. I use, you need a budget religiously. And I have to. And if I stopped using it, uh, I would still have a better handle on my finances because I've used the system, right? I've, I've built that, okay, this is my budget. And this, if you don't have that kind of um, you know, uh, consistency and a framework in place for your task management, 
you're going to find yourself that you're going to be declaring, you know, basically the, the same kind of financial bankruptcy, you're going to be declaring for your to-do list. You're like, I have too many things, I can't do anything, and then you just crash and burn. And don't, don't you think that too many tools would be bad? I mean, that's what yes. you're saying, right? I mean, because yep. you, yep. look, you look at, you just mentioned a, a slew of tools when you came, when mm-hmm. you came to to-do lists. And, and switching tools is bad too, you know? Like, right. I mean, go, going from tool to tool to tool. It's like, you know, I mean, I upgraded to the iPhone 6 this week. Ooh. I was running an iPhone 4S for the last three years. Oh I didn't my need God, that. you dinosaur. <laughs> but I didn't need to upgrade. Right, no, And I right. mean, the, the tools, and, and I'm also a very big believer on using tools, again, that simple component, which means they do one thing really, really well. Yeah. Like I use Evernote for information management and research holding because it does that well. It does not do task management well. I use Slack for communication largely across teams because it's more immediate than email. I can drop folders into it. I can have multiple channels using hashtags. I like Slack. That's where I do my communication. I use um, Scrivener to do all my writing in because now I know when I have to write something, I just go to Scrivener. I don't go to ByWord or Writer Pro or Word or whatever. I'll do it in Scrivener if I need to. And then if somebody sends me a Word file for like a book to look at, I can look at it there. But I, everything starts in Scrivener. And everything for task management is in Todoist. And everything for my research is in Evernote. And it just simplifies things because your brain has less things to think about. And we often get in our own way when it comes to productivity. It's our own selves. We're, that, that resistance, that lizard brain is the thing that gets in our way because we're like, well, yeah, but you know, what if I use this tool? Then I'll be more productive. The tool doesn't make you more productive. It's the approach it's how you use that it, makes yeah. you more productive. Yeah, absolutely. See, I, one of the things that um, <laughs> I find to be uh, a good tool is your the way you set up your environment, mm-hmm. right? And and I don't think this is talked about a lot. No, no. A lot of people, they'll – it's funny. Uh, they get focused on the – well, it, it does get talked about to a certain extent, but it gets talked about the same way that productivity gets talked about in this uncluttering porn and all that stuff that we've seen. You know, like, hey, have a messy desk. I, where Einstein did. Have a clean desk. You know, yeah. so-and-so did. Here's a standing desk. Here's a sitting desk. Right. I mean, there's so many different – I mean, I have a bike desk, for crying out loud. Do you really – I do. It's called the Fit Desk. It's actually quite uh, uh, a friend of mine, Adam Creek, who um, uh, he's an Olympic rower. He's a gold, like a Canadian Olympic rower. He also tried to row across, I think, the Panama Canal, and it was a big story about how he, you know, they almost died and all that <laughs> stuff. He's like, "Here's how. Here, have my bike desk because it's too small for me. I use that, but again, I'm very intentional about it. And I think that's the problem is most people, when you're setting up your environment, you need to be very intentional about it. You need to build it with intent, right? So I look at my workspace. And right now, my workspace is still the master bedroom in our house. We're taking mm. over the basement in our, in our uh, speaking of finance, we're taking over the basement in our house because we no longer need the rental income. And Victoria, by the way, for those who don't really know the area, it's Seattle's expensive, Vancouver's expensive, Victoria is expensive. So we've been, you know, having a tenant for the past few years. Right. My daughter and son have been sharing a room. My daughter is nine. My son is four. That can't happen much longer. Mm-hmm. I can't work out of the master bedroom much longer. We need a second bathroom with two girls in the house. That's very evident. So uh, w- right now, but right now my environment is in my in my master bedroom. So I have built it with intent. I have uh, the vision, you know, the comic book character, the vision, a vision bobblehead on my desk. That it's, it basically represents vision, but it's also got a sense of fun. I'm a big Green Lantern fan. So I've got a Green Lantern uh, avatar, like a little uh, paperweight 
on my desk. Uh, that represents willpower. I've got a block that I picked up in Ottawa, just a black block. It looks almost like that 2001, you know, oh, the yeah, the, uh, the, uh, the monolith. Yeah, it just says awareness on it. Huh. That's it. In, in, in like aerial font. I've got the Stephen Pressfield beat resistance plaque that came with Seth Godin's do the work uh, domino project thing. Mm. And you know that Staples easy button that we've, we've seen before? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was easy. Wow. So I have that. <laughs> <laughs> Sound effects now. And, and and that's all there. And then I have, you know, so everything that's in my office is designed in a way that promotes work that and also, you know, kind of elicits and pulls the work out of me. And I, I mean, I also use, I think sound environment is a good thing too, like audible environment. Yeah. So like focus at will. I don't know if you guys heard of that. It's a really great uh, online tool to help you concentrate. It plays, uh, it doesn't play songs, it plays compositions. And the guy who, well, I think the founder or co-founder was in the band London Beat. Okay. So he studied, like there's neuroscience. I think London Beat sang the song I've been thinking about you. You probably heard oh, yeah. the song. I've yeah. been thinking about you. That's that one? him. All right. Yep. So this one, this this app basically, or this service, plays music in the background or compositions, and the neuroscience of it allows you to kind of get some work done. And then there's another app I use called Coffitivity. I don't. It's for iOS. It basically simulates the sound of a coffee shop. What? Cafeteria. Yeah, it's on the iPhone. Yeah, so you could play it. And I play it through my jam box and it sounds like I'm in a coffee shop. And, you know, so, y- yes, <laughs> it so sounds bizarre. weird, especially since I work from home, right? Yeah. It's so quiet. I mean, sometimes I'm like, you know what? It's raining outside. I don't want to go to the coffee shop. I'll just turn on the coffeeativity app and pretend I'm in a coffee shop. That, you know, so it, That's yeah. weird to me. But again, there's so many of these tools and options out there that a lot of people spend time fiddling and fiddling and fiddling instead of doing the work. I mean, all these things are elements of resistance for me. Uh, because this is my job, I can look at it and see the means to the end for it. Mm-hmm. So I don't spend a lot of time with them, but I know what they're there for. And again, with if you have intention with something, it allows you to pay more attention to it. It's the reason why I have all my tasks and Todoist. The intent is everything goes in there, which means it gets the attention it deserves. All those tools are like that. You yeah, know? and I, Andrew, I want to ask uh, you actually. Mm-hmm. You you work at a, at an office and. People distract you. Absolutely. Like, terribly. It's, it's horrible. I'm a they, developer, so I need to be, like, deep into something. Yeah, and any distra- distraction yeah. sets me way back. Well, here's the thing, though. There's a difference. I talk about distractions and disruptions and diversions. And, and, and really, people don't distract you. They disrupt you. Distractions are mm. things you can control. Like your oh. notifications on your phone, right? You can you can stop that. If if my phone was to ring right now, I would have to you know I'd turn it off. And actually, I put my anytime I'm doing a meeting, I, I use Control Center and put my phone in airplane mode. It's the most productive. Yeah, but do not disturb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, so distractions are things you have control over. And normally, the first time it happens, you decide, oh man, I don't want that to happen again, so I can stop it. Disruptions you can't. If a fire alarm went off in my house right now, I wouldn't be able to go. Oh, I'll just wait. You know, like it's not, <laughs> you know, if someone comes up to you and pokes you on the shoulder, it's not like you can, you know, that's a disruption. You can't control them. Uh, I mean, you could tell them to stop, but doesn't mean that they will. Mm-hmm. Uh, problem with both of those is that they can both lead down a path called diversion, which is if you get distracted or disrupted, then you go back to what you're trying to do. If you don't remember or have a protocol in place to push you back into that, like to get in that state of flow, which is what you were saying, Andrew, you being in that deep state of thought or that you mm-hmm. need to be, then you can go down the path of diversion. That's when we end up going on social media or we end up, you know, oh, I'll go check email because email is easy, right? Mm-hmm. So 
that's the thing. Right. If I if yeah. I they disrupt me and there's like 30 minutes to lunch, it's like it takes me 20 minutes to get in. Yeah. What am I gonna do in 10 minutes? I might as well just read shit you, on the internet. Do you wear headphones at work? I do, like religiously. Okay. Do you have music on or no? Uh, usually I have I have like ambient or like electronic music, so no are they, words. Are they are they earbuds or headphones? Uh, earbuds. Get headphones. You think because it's like more dramatic, like people. It's it, it's, it's people see people, it. People see it. Mm. Remember headphones. I mean, when you walk around the city or anywhere, I mean, I'm wearing earbuds right now. Um, if people see it, that that it's becoming more commonplace. If you're wearing big, huge headphones that are covering your ears. There is the, the give that a try. I had a guy who worked in our uh, the film festival with us, and he wore headphones, and he didn't listen to any music. He, he just wore them. them. He just wore them. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And See, no one bugged him. They yeah. would send him an instant message or something like that, but no one would come up to him because they wouldn't. You know that that's just the way it was. They would visually sometimes walk up to him, but if he's deep in thought and he's a graphic designer, yeah. He, but most people left him alone. So yeah. go buy. Go even if they're cheap. Who he cares? doesn't have to buy them. He's wearing them right now. They're fucking giant. There you go. And, and you work and you work at iHeart. So if anybody asks you, just say, "Oh, I'm listening to the iHeart Radio yeah. app." <laughs> yeah, exactly. No one's gonna no one's gonna dispute it. Yeah, I'm making know. you guys money while I'm sitting here working. Yeah, that's what I would do. Um, <laughs> and plug, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what you. That's that's sometimes it's again. One of the great things about once you set up a system and you have like contexts in place, which are, you know are, are a GTD thing, which allow you to kind of not work by project but work through a different lens. So like, hey, I'm I'm on my computer right now. What can I do while I'm on my computer? That's really how you can multitask is by looking at your computer and going, okay, what are the eight projects that the computer allows me to do? What mm-hmm. are the twelve errands that I can do for the eight projects I have? So, Mike, it, I, yeah. I have a I have a killer question for you sure, because sure, sure. I, I think this is uh, I think lots of people suffer from this because yep. there, there's you know the three tasks you have during the day got that and I think that makes a lot of sense and you know mm-hmm. push email off so it's not distracting you but what in life and if you were to break it down into like this thing like projects you mm-hmm. wind up having like many projects yep and I I don't know if it's just me or, or if it's a productivity thing but I feel like the more projects I add even if even if I'm diligent and in getting into Evernote, into my to-do list thing, like it is having too many projects like a drag on or or how or how do you handle it, that? It it can be, but this is and actually I'm glad you asked me this because this is where David Allen talks about contexts in uh, GTD and what contexts are Not another is, acronym, by the way. You might want to say what that is. GTD is getting things done. Thank Sorry, you. you're right. Thank yeah. you. Um so Getting Things Done is a methodology that David Elmer wrote about the book called Getting Things Done. It's a fantastic read. Um, you know, uh, but what, what I do is, is, and what I recommend to people is, instead of looking at things through the project lens, look at things through the contextual lens. And what the contextual lens would be is things like uh, where you are, uh, you know, energy levels, time levels, things like that. So when I re- create a, a task in Todoist, and you could do this for any task manager, really, any any one worth of salt, really, is you would say, here's the project, here's the task, here's the project it goes in. Now, where do I need to be or what do I need to have at my disposal to do this task? For some people, it, the basics are computer, phone, errands, email, you know, that kind of thing. So, you could put that as a context. I like to use energy levels, to be honest. So full energy, low energy, brain dead, you know, that kind of thing. Hmm. Um, so what it does is it allows you, and, and this would be good like the half hour before lunch you were talking about, right? If you were to use a context called brain dead or 30 minutes 
something like that. Ah. You would then be able to look at your tasks by that lens and you're moving multiple projects forward, right? So say, that's why when I look at the email lens, uh, which is a context I have, I have 67 emails I need to do. I've seen them all. I know I need to do them. And I've given them a date so I know which ones need to be responded at which time. And that's fine. Uh, some of them are emails I need to send that I'm creating for the first time. Some are follow-ups. Same thing with, uh, same thing with uh, errands. There are 12 errands on my list. Four of them are for one project, one is for another, one is for another. It allows you to do something in that place. So whether that place is, you know, um, yeah, your email application or whether it's in the place of being brain dead and can't do much more because you're out of energy, you can assign labels or con- in Todoist they're called labels, but in context to all of these things that allow you to keep moving things forward without focusing on the projects because again most human beings are wired to look at a project by project by project and sometimes you get stuck right you just can't move that project forward anymore all right, all right let me let me one up the ante sure. so sure. so say uh, i'm at work right mm-hmm. and i have multiple products at projects i have to do at work and mm-hmm. they they are within the same context like they're all deep thought or they're mm-hmm. all, you know, and they all are, are due in like a relatively reasonable amount of time. Like, is this something I should, you know, if possible, try and deflect so I could focus? Or, or how do you, because I don't want to constantly be jumping to my to-do list, you know, but I also don't want to, I, I don't know. Let's put, it this, let's put it this way. You know how you were told to keep your email application open all the time? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You keep your task manager open all the time. Because it's your resource. It's driven by you. I'm not saying you need to constantly go back and forth and check it. But it, when you get lost, that's where you go. So, for example, if you've got, let's say you've got 20 tasks that are all in the same project that all involve deep thought. Or several projects that involve mm-hmm. deep thought. Um, that's where the human component comes in. That's, where, that's often where date comes into play too, right? Like, hey, this is due on a certain day. What's going to happen when you first start going down this path is you're going to see that there's so much due so quickly. Because you haven't been doing it the way that you're going to be doing it regularly. So everything is urgent and important, right? Instead of right. just being important and not urgent. So you need, to, you need to push through that. So if you've got 12 tasks that are all deep thought that are due within a week, then you need to say, okay, well, which ones am I going to tackle first? And the nice thing is that if you use something like deep thought and brain dead, then you can switch back and forth. So say you get one deep thought task done or even two. Then you go, you know what, I'm I'm exhausted. Let's look at what I can do while I'm brain dead. Mm. And then you see like like when you're hung over on a uh, right or yeah. And and this is the other thing as entre- as an entrepreneur, the reason I switch to these kind of energy levels is because what if I get sick? Yeah. Who's going to pick up the ball when I'm not there? Nobody. So, right. So if I can say, you know what, I'm sick today. Uh, I'm just because there's no worse feeling than being sick and going in the next day knowing you have twice as much or even more to do. So I'll look at my task list even when I'm sick and go, what low energy tasks can I do today? Oh, I can email this person. That's not that's fine. They're not going to know I'm sick or otherwise unless I say I'm feeling under the weather. How you doing? You know, so I can go through those low energy tasks. And if I get like 10 or 12 of those done. I feel like I've been productive yeah. and I have been because I've moved the right things forward as opposed, as opposed to trying to move all the things forward. Right. And, and you can't, you can't move things forward consistently, uh, in, in one direction. What ends up happening is you are moving madly in all directions. You need to be focused and context gives you that ability to have extra focus. Kind of like, you know, Russell Crowe in a beautiful mind when mm. he's looking at it at that, that window and it's just a bunch of formulas. And then all of a sudden some of them come more to the forefront and some of them drop to the background. Yeah. When you start mm. using contexts, 
in your task management application or even on paper, you're going to get to see that list kind of separate out a bit so it seems more manageable and therefore more doable. All right, so th- this is where like I-, I have like a conflicting understanding because I used to be obsessive about OmniFocus and mm-hmm. context and stuff like that, but then I I become a disciple of like the three things that you do today, and I was like, if I I don't care if like some terrible things happen, my home collapses, whatever, like I will get these three things done, but if I feel like if I'm going through this context route. I, I may not be getting my th- I may be like purposefully not getting those things done. And and how do you Well, you have to decide how you're gonna work. Again, that's the human component, right? Am I gonna work by priority? Am I gonna work by context or am I gonna work by project? And then if you've marked things off as flagged, and that's the other problem. I actually wrote about this recently on the blog about you know how I use filter uh, flags in Todoist, priority levels. Uh, what the when people start using flagging and they do this in email all the time, they go flag happy. They mark, they flag so yeah. much stuff. You need to be clear about it. You know, I mean, I will flag. What I'll do is, I um, mean, I've gotten to the point where I'm, I'm checking to do his first thing. So the writing things down is still something that I do. But there are all, what I also do is I flag the three most important tasks in Todoist for the next day. And what that does is actually brings them to the top of the list, except for things that actually have times attached to it. But you need to be clear about, hey, are these three things the three things that, A, I can get done today? Are they the things that, uh, am I going to be able to get more than just those three things done today? Maybe I only can have one of these things done as my important task, and then I'll have a bunch of other ones, and then I'll move on to the next one, right? So you need to decide, am I going to work by priority? And you could. You could start working by priority, knock one out, and you're, again, your willpower, your energy is drained. Then go, you know what, I'm now going to look at context, because it's easier to work by context than by project at that point. Then you can go back to priority. So it's all a matter of building, again, a, a workflow, a solid workflow that you can, you know, get behind and trust. Because that's what this all is. What happened for you is you didn't trust it anymore. So you mm. stopped, right? But again, the approach is more important than the app. You could take all the stuff you had in OmniFocus and move it to Trello and you'd be just fine. As long as you, ca- as long as you trusted your approach, you trusted the system. So that's what you need to do. And if it means saying, hey, you know what, priorities don't work for me because I tend to prioritize too much. By the way, did you know that until the, 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 uh, up until the 20th century, I think it was, uh, Greg McEwen put this in Essentialism, the word priority didn't have pluralization. You couldn't have priorities. Yeah, I heard there that. Was no, there was no <laughs> word for it. Yeah. Because priority really means the thing, thing I need to do before the next thing. Right. <laughs> you know, like, so, so that's what's happened is, again, much like the just ship it thing, much like the inbox zero, that term priority was bastardized, co- you know, co-opted and then, you know, created into whatever they wanted it to be. And uh, noticeably around the time of the Industrial Revolution, right? So the point is, is that you have to decide how you want to work and then build and then foster, not just build, but foster the system that you're going to use to make sure that you follow that. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have to bring this up. I'm I'm a very cynical uh, productivity guy. Mm-hmm. I I uh, to, for me I don't like tools. Sure. I, I'm a I'm a guy who you know the night before I'm like or or before I go to bed or whatever I'm like you know what tomorrow this is my day to do this and mm-hmm. I wake up and I do that thing and I don't care how long it takes I just I just get it done and I don't let myself take a break or let myself you know f- finish up the day until that thing is done. Right. Hell or high water. Um, is that stupid? No, it's not actually the, what would be stupid is if you didn't have a place storing all the things that you want to do. No, I have that. It's a whiteboard behind me. 
So that's fine. That's a system, right? Mm-hmm. You look at it. I mean, now where do you where do you put the ideas as like do you put down every single idea that you have on that whiteboard? No. I have a notebook in front of me. I have my So again, iPhone. that's still it's that's still places. a system. That's still a system. And you check those regularly, right? So you yeah. review. Because again, if you don't review, then you're not really But I don't like about. you talk about David Allen. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't review on Monday or I don't review on Tuesday. Like I don't have a day for review. It's just, you know, whatever. Whenever I decide to review things. Well, maybe maybe just, if I'm bored. If I'm bored, I'm like, oh, I should be doing something. Let me review. Yep. But the, here's the thing. Are you finding the other re- – the, see, what you're doing is exactly the most opposite of what most people do. You're actually being productive instead of doing productive. Most people get everything down and they try to figure out what they have to do. They tinker, they tinker. You're waking up. And I have a friend of mine who's an improviser. He did a great TED Talk. David Morris uh, is called The Way of Improvisation. And he says that's what he does. He has a list. He uses, I think he uses Todoist, where he just gets up in the morning and goes, there's the one thing I need to do today, and mm-hmm. that's it. And he works until it's done. Everything else is in there. And if he gets that thing done, then he gets. He goes, well, now what do I want to do? Right. And that's the thing. The term isn't what do I have to do. It's what do I want to do. And you're at a, if you've built a workflow that gives you that luxury, then you're in a great position. And I'm pretty much there as well. I mean, I have a lot of things that I want to do and have to do, but the have-dos are self, self-diagnosed. self I don't. I give myself a deadline. Yeah. No one else really does, right? Like if I'm going to write an article for 99U, I don't go, well, I better have it by Friday. Uh, I just say, well, I'm going to write an article for 99U, and I'm going to do it right now. Mm-hmm. I also don't necessarily, I'm a, I don't know about you guys, but I'm a night owl. I'm, I'm not a I guy. I yeah. See, I'm so also, mo- yeah. Right. So how many have you heard write your write your best work in the morning? Do the creative- I've heard it so many times that I want to punch everyone. For I can't do that. <laughs> can't no, do it. It, it, it. I can't do it. And and the other thing, I did this uh, I, I did this um, session with Hal Elrod, the morning miracle morning guy, yeah. Laura Vanderkam, uh, Craig Jarrow, and Dan Gold hosted it. And it was all about like they're all morning people and I'm the night owl. And they said, Well, how do you make sure that you stay ahead of everybody? I'm like, I do it the night before. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> that's yeah. it's that simple. You do so it when it, you're old, Mike. Right, right, exactly, exactly, because New Mike is not ready for that stuff yet. So, I mean, but the point is, is that it doesn't matter how you're doing it. It matters that you have a system that allows you to do it. And And your system is not GTD per se, but there are elements there. You're capturing everything. That's part of GTD. Speaking of of GTD, Mm -hmm. um, this is a guy, David Allen, right, who, who wrote the book called Getting Things Done. Yeah, and he's got the new edition coming out next March, which yes. finally addresses some of the digital oh, really? stuff. Well, yeah, I was. My question was, why do you think it took him so long to get that out? Because uh, actually, he did a great interview on the Mac Power Users podcast on Five by Five with mm-hmm. Max Sparky and uh, David Sparks and uh, Max Sparky and Katie Floyd. And you listen to that, and it's quite interesting. Is very much what we were talking about, like the tools. He is still using like a pocket notebook, and he's still using a Newton. He would be. He he praises the Palm Pilot like nobody's business. Right. But he he also uses e-productivity as his tool, and he used OmniFocus for a while as well. In fact, they've you know written white papers and stuff. But e-productivity is Lotus Notes wrapped up in some kind of <laughs> right. like who does that? He does. Is he any less productive? No. He just takes his system and applies it there. And he's even said he's super lazy. He's incredibly lazy. <laughs> That's ironic. And it, what, but it's, it, the thing is, is the re, how can he remain lazy? Because he captures everything. Uh-huh. You know, like he gets it down and then puts it in the system and lets the system a do trusted, the work. A trusted system for him. Exactly. Because yeah. it's automated. And, th- and that's what's happening is you build this automation, which allows you to get into that state of flow a bit better because you're not worrying about where do I put this? How do I do this? What's this? How, what priority? You're going to go, oh, okay. Well, the system says, and the system I built over time, right? It's like, you know, I'm living in this hundred year old house. I'm not one 
wondering when the house is going to fall down. Mm-hmm. I trust you that trust it's it. been built and it's lasted for this long. So as long as in every room, it still works. You know, there's certain elements that need to be maintained. And as you know, if you own a house, uh, there's always maintenance. There's yeah. always upkeep. It's the same thing with your with your task management system, with your workflow. You need to maintain it, and you need to you need to make some adjustments from time to time, especially when you involve others or others get involved. But the point is, is that if you trust it enough, then you'll know which changes to make that aren't going to you know upset the apple cart. Right. And to kind of bring this back around to uh, this is a finance podcast, believe it or not. Uh, <laughs> but to, to bring this back around to that, and you, we talk about systems and and trusting those systems. That is the, that works the same way in in personal finance, where you know whether it's whether you're the type of person that likes using a spreadsheet, a post-it note system, the cash envelope sy- system, like you mentioned. Uh, as long as you adapt a system that you're comfortable with. Uh, things get done. You start to save money. You start to invest. You know, uh, one of the tools that we use and talk about a lot on the show is Betterment. That is a tool that I can 100% get behind as something that that'll help me invest more. You know, whereas the cash system, the envelope system, not for me. But uh, I've I've you know found another system that had worked for me, which is which is perfect. So have I think, you seen have you seen that new app called Acorns? I have. It's amazing, and I use it's it. Cool. Oh, see, and so beautiful. Can, see, this is the one thing that happens living in Canada. I don't get near. Like, I can't use Simple. What? I, oh, that's my bank. Oh, I can't use them because oh, I'm they're Canadian. Great. Yeah, I yeah. Because I don't. Have, you know, I I can't use. Uh, for the longest time, I couldn't use Mint if I wanted to. Right. Because no Canadian banks. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, Wineapp. So the other interesting thing, and I guess this is important to note too, is that because I have limited choice, it actually was good for me in a lot of ways. Yeah. Oh, Wineapp will work great. You know, Wineapp is uh, the tool. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one I'm going to use. Yep. Um. I, I saw Acorns. I'm like, oh, I'd love to do that because I'd love to be able to take those extra coins that that, especially since we don't have pennies anymore. Uh, you don't? <laughs> no, Canada got rid <laughs> of the penny. Right. I did. I did hear that. I wonder yeah. when we're getting. We're going to get rid of ours. You gotta. We have I mean, to. every time I come down there, I'm like, what are these? Oh yeah, pennies. You guys. Right. Still I think have it costs them. like two cents to make one penny or something. I think, ridiculous. Costs, I think it costs five cents. Yeah. yeah I think it costs more than that. It's ridiculous. I mean, that's not uh, productive. And, no, not well, certainly, <laughs> certainly not. But I mean, yeah. And the other thing is that what a lot of people want to do is they want to make cash quick, right? So yeah. they'll do things that are really weird that that eventually they're they're not cost effective. Whereas, I mean, we invest. I've got some good investments. I'm not going to cash those in a short period of time. Mm-hmm. They're going to take long term. It's the same thing with your task management system. It's the same. You've got to trust it over the long term because the long term payoff is so huge. The short term pain. Is is painful initially. Oh my god, I have to go through all these tasks and make sure that they're they're assigned a context and like whatever you want to do. That short term pain always propels people back to email or to like a simple like written list that has very little context yeah. or. Pro- but but the long term gains are massive because then you can step back and have the clarity and the focus and the awareness and the mindfulness and be able to go. Okay, where do I want to be? Not what do I have to do? Yeah. Now, do you besides uh, getting things done by David Allen, which we've mentioned a few times, is there any other books that you highly recommend, like specific books that are like Bibles to you in the in the productivity he, world? Yeah, yeah, um, Making Ideas Happen by Scott Belsky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the founder of Ninety Nine U. There's another one out there, um, uh, Getting Results the Agile Way by J D Meyer. Um, that's a great book as well. Um, Covey's stuff's really good too. Stephen Covey, the late Doctor Stephen Covey, he's got some good stuff. Um, 
and I found that once you start, it's like, I mean, you would, you'd appreciate this in terms of finance, but in terms of productivity, it's, you know, I don't use GT, GTD in its purest form either. I've taken the best things from each system as well as some of my own stuff, and that's my system. Right. So that's what people also have. I mean, it's like anything else. The more you read up on this stuff, the more comfortable you get, the more expert you get, and then, or expert, whatever, more area of expertise you have mm-hmm. in it. And then you can say, okay, well, what if I took this and paired it with this, and how would this work? The more you read these kind of books, you can go, hey, you know what? Elements of Scrum will really work for me, or Kanban, or whatever. Yeah. You'll figure that stuff out. And like Trello, Trello has like got Kanban written all over it. Most people don't know what Kanban is, right? Um, I don't know, know what it is. It's it's personal. It's Japanese. It's 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 a Japanese system that people use for. It was you know it's basically like card based system, and each of the cards represents a certain component, and it's like almost like the uh, Benjamin Franklin's thirteen uh, virtues. Yeah, like there's all those things that are because it's a very touchy feely kind of system. Whereas the Agile way is very much more you know like lean startups would use it. Uh, Scrum is again a startup based one. Uh, GTD is very business oriented, right? So there's a whole bunch of different things. You just got to figure out which ones will work for you. Take elements from one, you know, take elements from the other, add your own, you know, mix, stir well, and serve. Excellent. Way to wrap it up into a, uh, a cocktail reference, a beer. <laughs> that, was, that was wonderful. Shake, Couldn't have shake. done it better. Yeah, you'd rather you'd rather not be shaken. Rather, yeah. be stirred would be better. <laughs> yeah. Who? Who? Fuck you, James Bond. What you're shaking martinis? <laughs> stirred is well, the way to do it. Yeah. If he didn't have him so shaken, he'd probably be able to get a lot more done. Yeah, I know. That's his problem. He's, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a, just not a productive. He's spot. a deadbeat 007. <laughs> Bastard. Mike, thank you so much for being on, man. Thanks so much for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, and uh, so and the website's Productivityist. So productivityist.com. That's right. And And where can people find Workflowing? Uh, find us at 5x5.tv and right now it's still the, sl- the slash is still mics on mics because if we change it to workflowing in the URL we break a bunch of stuff Wonderful. so it's but just go to just if you google workflowing we'll be near the top and then there's the productivityist podcast as well and you yes. can find that at productivityist.simplecast.fm excellent are you on social media anywhere I am. I'm at Mike Vardy on the Twitter, and Ooh. I'm also a fa- if you Google, fa- I'm on Facebook. I'm on Google Plus, but Twitter is where I, I hang out most of my most of my time. Cool. I'll tweet you. Awesome. That's what <laughs> I like to hear. Excellent, Mike. <laughs> thanks again, man. Thanks again for having me, guys. Yeah, and if you guys uh, have any questions, you can email us at listenmoneymatters at gmail.com, like always. And also, if you like the show, please hit the subscribe button on your on your apps, whatever app you use to listen to the show, iTunes. Stitcher, Overcast, Pod app, po- uh, there's, I don't know, I don't know all the tools out there. Mike's Overcast. a tool guy. Yeah, Overcast, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, if you like the, re- if you really, really like the show, and we hope that you do, please leave a review. Uh, I'm going to read a quick review from Brown underscore Golf uh, <laughs> from the United States, and the title is Finance Made Fun, five stars. These guys are awesome. They had an idea. They wanted to share personal finance info in an entertaining format while learning themselves along the way. They went for it, and the result is a really fun podcast that I enjoy listening to every day. That's right, folks. We are every day. Uh, definitely a couple of guys you could uh, you could drink a couple beers with. Uh, much shove well, a beer with. Well, ex- well, more so than – I mean, Andrew's not drinking beer today, so I had to rip you there a little bit. Yeah. Uh, much more real than most of the other personal finance podcasts out there. Thank you so much, Brown underscore golf. Like, golf. 
I feel like I should look that up on Urban Dictionary. Brown golf? Yeah, that's probably a sexual term. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that, that's definitely a sex move. <laughs> go look up Santorum. Don't do that. Uh, go, to, <laughs> go to our website, listenmoneymatters.com, and check out our toolbox where we have all these tools, including some productivity tools up there like Trello and like Trello. What else do we have up there? Uh, now I'm drawing a blank. Uh, uh, oh, wait, wait, real quick. Yeah. Brown golf. No, the act Jesus. of playing golf tour on parentheses Nokia or similar on a mobile device whilst sitting on the toilet evacuating one's bowels. Man, just had, just had to add the toilet humor. You in. always do. <laughs> it, so playing golf on your phone on the on the John. Okay, great. Go to listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox and you can find all the tools that we uh, recommend here on the show. So that's it, Mike. Thanks again for being on the show, man. Thanks for having me. And thanks for hanging out with us, and we look forward to the next episode. So later. Later, man. Please tell your friends about this show.